Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, and welcome to the show. The NBA draft is almost finished, so... Just going to start off with the recap now while the second round pick uh, is uh, winding to a close. But, uh, you know, quite a bit went on tonight. So I'm going to go through the draft from the perspective of what I thought was going to happen, what did actually happen, and what probably should have happened. Uh, Just because we we had a lot of trades that had a a number of impact for a, a number of these teams in terms of the player movement and what they got back in return. So uh, let's start off with the top of the draft. It went pretty much as expected uh, with a surprise thrown in at number three. But uh, to uh, begin, uh, we had uh, the uh, selection of DeAndre Ayton at number one to the Phoenix Suns. No surprise there. Uh, Ayton was the projected number one for months now uh, from the close of the college season. Throughout the March Madness, Aiton was the number one pick. I mean, I mean, if you look at it, he's just a physical specimen. Uh, typically, teams just can't look away from a guy like Aiton when he's there, uh, available at the top of the board. I mean, you got a seven-six wingspan at seven foot one. I mean, when he puts on additional weight, I mean, he's going to be two nine, uh, two ninety, three hundred pounds, uh, Shaq level in terms of dominance uh, with his uh, body frame. That's how big and powerful he can be in down in the post. Now, I know the NBA has changed substantially to being a play uh, play defense and, well, I'm using defense in the loosest sense of the word, but <laughs> play defense and shoot three-pointers and hope for the best. Uh, but, I mean, Aiton uh, physically in the post – uh, is an intimidating uh, force offensively. And, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I think he's still a major liability, but you can't outweigh the fact that he is the best offensive talent uh, that we've seen in quite some time uh, at the center position. So uh, I completely get why the Suns had uh, to make the move. Plus, when you pair him with Devin Booker, who can stretch the floor and just a, a drop down a shots from above. I mean, it makes a total sense uh, doing a pick and roll type offense uh, uh, with him and uh, uh, Aiton. And, you know, at the end of the day, Phoenix needs to be able to sell someone as a franchise player. So you've got Booker and you've got Aiton. You got, so you got your one two combo. I mean, in terms of uh, what, you, what you've got uh, there. I mean, I, I, I got to look at this as a automatic plug-and-play uh, from uh, uh, the jump, but there's no one that's really uh, going to be uh, a challenge to Eaton in, in uh, the center position. So uh, this should be a pretty much a seamless fit uh, overall. So uh, this is uh, this is the best pick uh, Cleveland – I mean, uh, er, uh, the Suns could have made. Uh, and I, I would definitely say that um, – uh, from an overall perspective, uh, Aiton 
definitely projects to be an 18 to 10 type of player when it's all said and done. That may not happen his rookie year, uh, just from a scoring standpoint, but he should have plenty of opportunities uh, for post play. So I definitely think he's a, a 16 to 10 type of player uh, from his first year, but. Uh, gradually, I think he's going to work himself into that 18-plus point range and maybe even be a 20-point scorer uh, when it's all said and done. I mean, he averaged 20-11 and 11, uh, at college with a 65% shooting percentage. Uh, to me, it's not that crazy uh, that uh, Aiton could end up being uh, a double-double kind of guy every night. It, I really think that's a... a legitimate possibility given his talent level if he even comes close to the development of uh, what he can be on offense I, I just think it's a, it's a slam dunk case uh, for why he goes to uh, the Phoenix Suns here at number one just from an offensive standpoint and what they've got on the roster which isn't much beyond Devin Booker so they need to uh, be able to sell that franchise and it, uh, Aiton makes a ton of sense so number two, uh, you had the Sacramento Kings. You know, I had this pick pegged as Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, so did a number of other people. Realistically, that's who they went with. What should have happened should have been Luka Doncic here. Uh, you know, they could say what they want about the Kings drafting the Aaron Fox last year. The Aaron Fox still, to me, projects as an off-ball. Uh, score uh, of the basketball. He's not a primary ball handler and playmaker. To me, he needs to play off of someone in the backcourt uh, to work with instead of being the primary handler. Doncic can do both. He can be uh, the off-ball guy. He can also be the primary ball handler. Uh, he has that skill frame. He's only 19 years old. He's going to grow into that body even further. I know there were some concerns just because he's a European basketball player has he already peaked, and how much physically can his ceiling grow? But my stance on him is the fact that the skill level that he already presents, to me, physically, he's going to improve. So uh, Doncic would have been the pick here, in my opinion, that, that should have gone down. But I, I, I had enough sentiment from the Kings organization that they're still high on De'Aaron Hop Fox, and they wanted to pair him with Bagley in the post. Uh, now, to kind of go over Bagley, there's nothing wrong with the Bagley pick. I mean, you're still getting a very valuable player. The Kings shouldn't have even been in this position, to be honest. Uh, based off of the draft lottery odds, it, it just broke in their favor. But uh, Bagley has a ton of ta talent on offense, not as much as Aiton. But, you know, he has even more holes defensively than Aiton does. I thought Bagley uh, got covered up quite a bit on the defensive end because Duke played uh, zone so often this past year in college that it covered up quite a bit of holes uh, for Bagley and to a lesser, much lesser extent Wendell Carter uh, Jr. But yet still, both of those players had uh, holes defensively. Uh, it's just that uh, Bagley... You know, I think he can develop uh, into a slightly better defender. I just don't think he'll ever become uh, anything more than an average defender. I, I think he'll be below average, to be perfectly frank. But, uh, you know, ba Bagley should be a solid contributor at the NBA level. Uh, the biggest question is the fact that defensively, he doesn't block shots. He doesn't steal the ball. I mean, if he develops his offensive game and becomes a jump shooter, uh, realistically, his ceiling is pretty much along the lines of an Al Horford type of player. Uh, but, uh, you know, I know folks are saying, well, that's not necessarily what you want out of number two pick, but that, to me, is where his ceiling ultimately would be if he uh, develops his def uh, defensively and can uh, uh, work on his jump shot further. Uh, He's, he can work well in pick-and-roll situations. He can operate as a point forward. Uh, so he has uh, some offensive uh, capabilities that uh, make him very valuable uh, to an NBA franchise. Uh, but uh, the reason why I would say uh, Luka Doncic it makes so much more sense 
is the fact that I think if you're really going to try to untap the potential of De'Aaron Fox, you need a guy like Doncic uh, to actually make that uh, succeed. So number three is where the draft started getting interesting because you had the Atlanta Hawks selecting, and the Atlanta Hawks need a point guard because Dennis Schroeder, for all intents and purposes, wants to get out of Atlanta. Uh, you know, the Hawks select Doncic, but then decide to trade Doncic uh, to the Hawks. I mean, uh, to to, uh, to the Mavericks. Uh, so the Hawks trade Doncic uh, to the Mavericks, uh, and it's contingent upon the um, Mavericks selecting Trey Young. This trade, realistically, the Hawks did get an extra first-round pick uh, out of it, but it's, it comes at a weaker end of a draft. So, I mean, the draft next year is not nearly as strong as what people are expecting it to be. So, to me, it didn't uh, necessarily uh, become that huge a deal for Dallas because Dallas had been tanking the entire season, basically, to get Luka Doncic. Uh, they wanted that point guard uh, to, uh, to pair with, uh, with Dennis Smith Jr., so, to me, this was a win for Dallas because they tanked for the, the draft spot the Hawks got. And, you know, they had to give up a, a first-round pick for next year in a much weaker draft class. You know, I think Dallas said it takes that 9, nine out of 10. I, I, I would have actually tried to squeeze Dallas for more picks if I'm Atlanta. But, you know, Atlanta wanted Trey Young. They just didn't want to have to justify to their fan base that, yes, we're taking Trey Young with the third pick because – no one would say that Trey Young's the best point guard in the draft, except for maybe the Hawks. Uh, they were the only team that uh, people were saying was a possibility of uh, taking uh, uh, Doncic. I mean, uh, taking uh, Trey Young uh, that high. Uh, everyone else had Doncic ahead of him. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, the Hawks are trying to sell tickets. Trey Young uh, will definitely push. Uh, uh, push ticket sales and jersey sales just from his time in Oklahoma. Uh, he was the talk of the town on uh, Sports Center, uh, on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I mean, Trey Young was everywhere in the college season last year, so he's a recognizable name. Uh, I definitely get it from a financial perspective why uh, you had the selection there by the Hawks. But, you know, I thought uh, it would have made more sense for them just staying pat and just uh, keeping Doncic. But, you know, it is what it is with some of these teams. Uh, but uh, get based off of what the Hawks did later on, uh, you know, it's clear that they're trying to build out their own version of Golden State, which, again, is always one of those head scratchers because, you know, it's just because one team is able to uh, replicate a formula that has never worked in the NBA before doesn't mean it's the new wave of everyone has to do the exact same thing and try to do copycat. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, moving on. Uh, so, you, you had the number three pick, pick go to uh, be Doncic. Uh, number four, uh, you had the Grizzlies. Honestly, uh, the Grizzlies uh, picked Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State. Uh, you know, the uh, issue here is the fact that uh, in terms of the overall scale, Jaron Jackson Jr. was the fourth uh, pick on everyone's board. Uh, the only question was who's going to end up with it. My, uh, my fear was actually that the Knicks were going to surprise everyone and try to say that uh, we can get Michael Porter Jr. I, I thought there was a very real possibility that the Knicks were going to try to jump over teams uh, that they had pegged to Michael Porter Jr., namely uh, being uh, a it teams like uh, the Magic, the uh, the Cavaliers, Chicago, all of them had, uh, there were different uh, mocks having Michael Porter Jr. My fear was, in my mock, was the fact that the Knicks uh, would have traded up uh, with Memphis and taken on uh, the contract of Chandler Parsons, uh, which was the cost of doing business with Memphis if you wanted the number four pick, was to take on, uh, uh, take on, uh, uh, Chandler Parsons' terrible contract uh, for the number four pick, and Knicks would have taken Michael Porter Jr. Uh, thankfully, that didn't happen, and it, it did uh, 
uh, it did uh, end up being the case where Taron Jackson goes that uh, goes to Memphis. Uh, you know, I don't really have any qualms with the pick. I, you know, Jaron Jackson uh, fills a hole. Well, one of the numerous holes Memphis has. Uh, Memphis has the issue of uh, letting their core uh, group grow too old without actually having legitimate replacements. So, yeah, they never replaced Zach Randolph. They never really uh, found a solution to the Tony Allen uh, getting too old issue. So, uh, the uh, problem ends up being the fact that, uh, you know, from a, a standpoint of effectiveness, you have uh, not nearly enough uh, going on uh, if you're Memphis to, uh, to uh, be able to uh, whiff on a pick like this. So, Jaron Jackson checks a number of boxes. He's uh, he's uh, athletic. He uh, presents versatility on both the offense and defensive ends because he was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. So he gives them that two-way ability that uh, not a lot of people in this draft really offered up. Uh, number five, uh, that was the Trey Young pick made by the Mavericks for Atlanta. You know, I hate this pick for Atlanta, but I get it. It's to sell jerseys. Uh, to me, I've been a big proponent of Colin Sexton being a better prospect than Trey Young. I've been more than <laughs> clear that uh, Doncic should have been the overall number one guard, but uh, Colin Sexton checks a number of boxes. I also thought uh, Sexton would have been a possibility for the Knicks if they did not trade up for Michael Porter Jr. But uh, the reason uh, the reason why uh, Trey Young goes is he he can make some highlight real plays. He's, he's got excellent passing. He can shoot it from uh, deep range. He can shoot it from the logo. Uh, at a number of NBA arenas. Uh, he's going to move ticket sales in jerseys for Atlanta. Uh, that's what they're looking for. Uh, this is not necessarily about a move to get better for the future. Although their GM seems to think that they can recreate Golden State uh, out out there in the Eastern Conference. I don't see it happening uh, with uh, Trey Young and Wear It Up. But we'll, we'll get to that uh, part of the podcast later. So, uh, with the number six pick, you got Muhammad Bamba, Harlem Zone, uh, going uh, down to Orlando. Uh, you know, uh, Bamba played one year in Texas. You know, he has the physical gifts. Uh, there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of comparisons between him and KD. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got such a tremendous wingspan. I mean, it's the biggest wingspan in NBA history. Uh, just uh, tons of uh, potential from a shot blocking and rebounding standpoint and he can shoot from outside as well uh, his upside is very interesting uh, uh, to actually behold because I think he has the most upside of any player in this draft uh, he also has bust potential if he if he doesn't develop any develops, uh, foot foot issues but the you know by and large, you know, I get the pick completely for uh, Orlando. They they need they need uh, some kind of building block where you have someone that can truly develop into a superstar. I mean, this is the same team that drafted Victor Oladipo, couldn't get anything out of him from a development standpoint, and now they they watching him blossom into an NBA uh, All Star, uh, and you know. In their own conference, no less. That, that's why it's it's just uh, it's 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 kind of painful uh, to to deal with because you know uh, from a standpoint of as an organization, you drafted the right guy, you just couldn't develop him. So uh, that's something that they're gonna have to live with. But uh, they're hoping with Bamba, uh, it, the uh, payoff uh, comes much more uh, quickly and uh, to justify the pick. Now number seven, you had Wendell Clark Jr. Uh, uh, from Duke going to the Bulls. Uh, you know, I had this mocked as uh, originally uh, going to be a case where uh, as uh, Mikhail Bridges from Villanova going to the Bulls just because of his versatility on the wing uh, defensively and on the offensive end, I thought he would have been a great fit uh, with Chicago. Uh, but Wendell Carter Jr., uh, stretch four capabilities, uh, very promising on the offensive end. Uh, 
has a little bit of a defensive liability, uh, not as badly as uh, uh, we would see with Marvin Bagley the third. But I, I would uh, definitely say that uh, it it makes uh, it would have made a, lo- a lot of sense uh, for uh, the Bulls to go with Carter. Uh, he can uh, shoot from long range, like I said, and he's got very good footwork in the post. So it you know it definitely makes sense to pair him with. Uh, Laurie Markkinen, who was their first-round pick last year from uh, the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the pick. It, it's just one where, you know, Colin Sexton was still on the board, and I, I think he could uh, immediately make an impact for an NBA team. And, sure enough, the next pick uh, at number eight was Colin Sexton going to the Cavs. Uh, originally, I had this mocked as uh, a case where... The Cavs, you know, sensing that they're going to need a star player in the absence of LeBron, uh, just a, uh, uh, just a, like a create a buzz. I, I thought the Cavs might actually take the gamble and take a, a Michael Porter Jr. Uh, the other the other pick was a, a possibility was a Colin Sexton if he was still on the board, uh, but you know I just thought Sexton might be uh, might be off the board at this point, but. Uh, sure enough, uh, Sexton stayed on the board long enough for the Cavs to take him, and you know he brings a lot of elements that the Cavs need. He's, he's a playmaker. He can create his own offense. He can get guys involved. Uh, you know, he's not a, a tremendous knockdown shooter, but uh, definitely someone who can hold his own offensively. And you know, if you're looking for giving LeBron reasons to stay. One of the things is to take some off of his plate because he had to do so much of the work himself last year for the Cavs to make anything uh, uh, make anything move just because of like how uh, much uh, uh, time Isaiah Thomas missed, and then even when he did come back, he still uh, wasn't even remotely close to the player that he was. So uh, you know they're looking for someone that can actually uh, do. Uh, uh, so, some of the aspects that uh, Kyrie Irving used to do. Colin Sexton is uh, the best case scenario for that uh, uh, task. And, you know, a tremendous competitor by all accounts. You know, it, this is a pick that should actually, you know, if they can uh, play their cards right, this could be a life uh, a one-team kind of player. So uh, I like the pick very much for the Cavs. You know, regardless of not uh, if uh, LeBron stays or goes, if LeBron goes, uh, Sexton can easily become the alpha on that team and be the leader as a rookie. Uh, that would not shock me one bit, uh, to be perfectly honest. So uh, that was a uh, very good pick. Next on deck, my New York Knicks. I will be honest, I was sweating bullets uh, the entire time uh, with this pick, mainly because of the fact that uh, Michael Porter Jr. was still on the board. I basically was scared to death of Michael Porter Jr. Uh, just from the standpoint of the injury history, you know, compare that, uh, especially when you compound that with the fact that Kristaps Porzingis also seems to be injury prone, even though he was the best value pick that we could have made a couple of years ago uh, out of that entire draft class uh, after Towns. Uh, but uh, Porzingis is also injury pro. Porter Jr. would have been a disaster in New York. Now, also, I was also of the opinion that Mikael Bridges should have been the pick, but knowing the Knicks that there was no chance that they would ever make the pick that people would have been in love with. So when the uh, so when they announced that Kevin Knox from Kentucky was the pick, of course uh, the, the Knicks contingent in Barclays Center booed the hell out of the pick mainly because people wanted Mikael Bridges. Bridges made a ton of sense for the Knicks because of the fact that his versatility uh, on the wing uh, defensively and knocking down shots offensively, he would have made perfect sense for the Knicks. So, of course, we weren't going to select him. So, you know, they take Knox. You know, Knox is a combo forward, uh, long wingspan, look good in the workouts with the Knicks. Uh, basically, the Knicks selected someone they think can replace Carmelo Anthony. That's what this pick ended up being. Because the Knicks organization 
still viewed Carmelo Anthony as the guy that uh, would uh, make a uh, make a ton of sense. You know, Knox is only 18 years old. He has a ton of untapped potential at uh, this next level in the NBA. Offensively, he has the potential of being the best offensive player in this draft, uh, based off of uh, his athleticism and ability to knock down shots from the outside. Uh, the question on Knox was uh, going to be uh, uh, from a thought process of uh, would his consistency ever get to the level where he can be an NBA superstar, or would he just be kind of a journeyman uh, stretch forward uh, who will hang around the league for a number of years uh, without ever realizing his potential? Uh, you know, so there's definitely bust potential here with the Knox pick. There's no doubt about it, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I just don't think it's the best pick for the situation. Uh, you know, I think it'll still work out with uh, Knox and the Knicks. It's just that with the Knicks being as bad as they're going to be for the next couple of years, I, I think uh, having a solid guy like Bridges would have made so much more sense overall uh, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, uh, but, you know... Knicks decided to go with Knox. Uh, obviously, the crowd wasn't happy about it, but it could have been worse. Uh, they could have taken Porter Jr., and like I said, Porter Jr. may work out uh, for the Nuggets, uh, whom he eventually fell to. I just think it would have been an utter uh, and just an unmitigated disaster if uh, Porter Jr. ended up in New York. I, I just, no. I, I, could, I could not go through that process with the Knicks. Uh, we've been down this road too many times as it is. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Strau have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Next came the lock pick of the night because it made so much sense. Uh, the 76ers selected Mikael Bridges, uh, you know, plays the position the Sixers need help in on the wing, a good defender, good offensive play. Uh, you know, he's a native from the area. His mom works for the 76ers in their, in their HR department. You know, it made a ton of sense. There was a, a feel-good story about it. Uh, everyone in the media was eating it up. And lo and behold, life in the NBA is never so simple. Uh, so uh, about, an, I'd say about a half hour after this pick was actually made, uh, you have news that Mikael Bridges is going to get traded from the 76ers to the Phoenix Suns uh, uh, for Zaire Smith, who was the 16th pick, and the Miami Heat's unprotected uh, uh, first-round pick in 2021. Now, I know a lot of people didn't like this trade just because of the story uh, background behind it and you know having like uh, his mom and just kind of go through all the interviews of how happy he was to be with the Sixers which I genuinely believe the kid was the case being a local kid uh, you know it's not going to be a popular decision but to me the 76ers may have actually gotten a, st- a steal out of this if you can believe it even though I don't think they got the best player uh, Miami in 2021 could be an absolute dumpster fire this could be a top three pick uh, that the Suns gave away, uh, essentially. Uh, you know, the Suns have a GM who's in a position where he needs to win now. So the Suns trading for Mikael Bridges makes a ton of sense. Giving up an unprotected pick in 2021 for a Miami Heat team that doesn't have a lot in the way of prospects as is and is pretty much geared to win now and is going to have to do a teardown job within the next two years, unless Pat Riley can land a major free agent in 2019. You know, this is presents itself with a number of possibilities for uh, the 76ers, and that's why 
I felt that, you know, they made the right decision. It's going to be criticized early on without question. But long term, the 76ers could be able to reload with a top draft pick or use that as trade bait with someone else. Uh, if they, they need to make a move on Kawhi, if, they, if uh, someone else needs to get moved uh, for a signing trade, uh, you know, this is a good ammunition to have. So the fact that they were able to pick up this chip and, you know, comparatively, Mikael Bridges and Zaire, uh, uh, Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith is a very good NBA player. You know, he just did not get a lot of publicity at Texas Tech. But, you know, he developed over his time there. So, uh, but Smith actually does uh, fill the role uh, for uh, the 76ers as well. Uh, it's a downgrade from an offensive standpoint. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very much... Uh, a good defender on the wing, which is really what they needed uh, in that position. So uh, it's a great value-like move. Uh, I, I very much am in favor of uh, the trade because it does give them uh, it does give them a positioning. And like I said, if you're trying to land a guy like Kawhi Leonard, Leonard in a trade, you need every trade trip you can have. And an unprotected 2021 pick from the Heat could be a top uh, top three pick. Uh, in that time frame, given the way the Heat franchise looks right now and where it would project in a couple of years. So uh, that that's uh, very much in play, and uh, I, I, I do like the move. It, it's, it's, it's a cold-blooded Kaiser Sose move, but, uh, you know, in the short term. But long term, it could reap tremendous rewards. I mean, uh, that... You know that's you gotta you gotta give it up for them uh, there. Uh, so next up, uh, in terms of the moves uh, that happened next, uh, you had, you know, the Charlotte Hornets uh, selected Shea Gilgis Alexander from Kentucky, uh, one of the more versatile point guards in the draft. Uh, this ended up becoming a trade with the Los Angeles Clippers. Like I said, there was a lot of activity on. Uh, uh, with the, the NBA draft tonight. But, um, you know, the Clippers needed a point guard, so Gilgis Alexander uh, uh, made sense here. Uh, they only gave him a couple of second-round picks, so uh, Clippers got the player that they wanted. Uh, uh, basically, Charlotte, uh, uh, they had the next pick, uh, even though the Clippers had the pick. So uh, the Clippers move up one spot to get the uh, get a point guard. And the Hornets get the guy they were going to draft anyway uh, in Miles Bridges. Uh, the only c- question here is, you know, with Bridges, Charlotte has a bunch of wings. So between Nicholas Batum, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, um, uh, Davis uh, Monk, uh, Jeremy Lamb, uh, you know, uh, there, are, uh, there are a bunch of wings on the Hornets. So I'm not quite sure what Michael Jordan's doing, but most people don't know what Michael Jordan's doing anyway as an NBA uh, owner, so uh, it seems to be par for the course. Uh, you know, given where the draft was shaping up, uh, to me, like uh, actually taking a gamble on Michael Porter Jr. would have made more sense for the Hornets just because they need a star player. They don't have a star player. Uh, they don't know what they're going to do with Kemba Walker. Uh, you know, taking a home run swing makes sense, would have made sense for the Charlotte Hornets, and I, I don't think they did. I mean, they got a good player in Bridges. I'm just not sure what kind of role he would truly satisfy uh, for uh, uh, the the Hornets. Uh, it's just one where, eh, it, it's just like kind of middling, in my opinion. Uh, so at the 13th pick uh, comes the Clippers again with their second first-round pick. Uh, they take Jerome Robinson out of uh, Boston College. Uh, shooting guard, you know, has has good size to him. So between him and Gilgis Alexander, they're going to have a tall backcourt, which I guess they're using as a way of kind of of uh, mitigating uh, some of the issues that they would face uh, going up against uh, the likes of Houston and Golden State in the Western Conference. You know, I'm not a big Robinson fan. I mean, I, I've, I saw him quite a bit in College uh, uh, playing for BC, you know, he can score. Uh, I just don't think that he has a, a 
footwork-wise, I don't think he has quite the game that translates into success at the NBA level. I, I just think he's one of those guys that will be in the league because he can knock down some open shots, but I don't think he's going to be a guy who creates his own shot. So I could be wrong. I mean, listen, all these are just uh, projections anyway, but, uh, you know, say la vie. Um, at 14, came the pick that everyone was calling a steal and Michael Porter Jr. going to the Nuggets. Here's my caveat with this pick. Michael Porter Jr. was considered to be, uh, so only played the one year at Missouri, was considered to be the top pick of this year's draft before uh, the NCAA season started. Uh, then he goes down with a back injury uh, and doesn't play the entire season, essentially, except for the final three games of the year, and didn't look all that great. His uh, pre-draft uh, process was a nightmare because he also had to cancel out uh, workouts with teams because of a hip issue that may or may not have been related to the back. Uh, a number of teams couldn't get medical information out of the Porter camp. So, you know, this is very much a home run type of swing. Uh, he has the highest bust potential out of all these players because of the fact that, his, you know, back injuries don't necessarily go away. So uh, there's very much a, a concern about his back being a long-term issue that cannot be uh, addressed uh, at all. Because, you know, once the back goes, it, your, your NBA career is pretty much done. So it's a high bust potential. But the upside is you have a guy who has uh, the capabilities of being a top three player uh, in this draft, uh, without question. Uh, offensively, uh, he's incredibly gifted. His game uh, most favorably compares to uh, Kevin Durant uh, projection-wise uh, based off of his uh, mid-range jump shot and being able to shoot from three-point range. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. And, you know, if he does, this is a brilliant pick. But my issue with uh, Denver is you were very close to being a playoff team last year. Like, and pretty much Michael Porter Jr. plays the same position as uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, who is the, uh, the best player on the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets' problem last year was the fact that they couldn't defend to save their lives. Uh, Porter Jr. is not going to help them at all in that regard, uh, it, especially early on. Uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, the player I would have selected uh, would have been Robert Williams uh, from Texas Tech. I mean, Texas A&M. Sorry, uh, I'm 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 also seeing the Texas Tech game going on in the background against Florida as they're down. So I'm uh, jumping around here. But anyway, uh, Robert Williams for A&M. Uh, would have made a far more logical pick because he's a rim protector. He blocks shots, uh, can rebound, uh, made North Carolina look like a bunch of schoolboys in the NCAA tournament. You know, Robert Williams uh, would have been higher up on people's draft boards uh, uh, this year if it hadn't been for the fact that he got suspended for uh, team infractions at the beginning of the season of uh, the NCAA season this year. Uh, so there... There were some character issues that went on, but the fact that Robert Williams dropped all the way to 27, uh, right into the lap of Danny Ainge and the Celtics, who are looking for someone to replace Aaron Baines, who will un almost it's almost 100% locked that Baines is leaving for a bigger contract elsewhere just because of how the NBA is shaping up and the fact that the Celtics need all the money they can to uh, hold on to Marcus Smart or figure out uh, who's coming on board to replace Marcus Smart. Uh, in the offseason. So, uh, you know, like I said, they, some of these uh, selections that teams made, I, I kind of scratched my head at because uh, I, I thought a number of teams did not do themselves any favors whatsoever. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, uh, but uh, moving on, uh, you had the uh, Washington Wizards uh, make a selection for Troy Brown Jr., you know, uh, out of Oregon, uh, you know, I don't get the pick mainly because uh, Washington already has Otto Porter Jr. and Kelly Oubre, who play the exact same role as the athletic wing. Uh, I don't know if Otto Porter Jr. is on the way out or if, you know, they're not ha happy with Kelly Oubre's maturity level, but one of those guys got to move because, you know, they got way too much of a glut. And to be honest, not 
a whole lot of them. Uh, like between the three of them, Porter Jr. is the best shooter, but you can collapse on uh, on John Wall and Bradley Beal because I I still don't think uh, that the shooting from the wing is really a strong suit for the Wizards. So you know, I, I just look at that pick as kind of a waste, but. You know, I could end up being wrong. The guy could end up developing into a great jump shooter, but you know, from all the metrics, it just didn't look like that's something that's in the in the cards. Uh, to me, a, a much more reasonable pick would have been Dante Vincenzo uh, from Villanova, who has the athleticism to be the guy that comes off the bench to spell for John Wall and Bradley Beal in that offense so that they're not constantly relying on Beal and Wall, and they have that third option that can be the ball handler, especially given the injury history between uh, John Wall in the last couple of years. You know, it might have made sense to have uh, a backup in place uh, so that Beal isn't uh, asked on uh, to carry the offense. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, at number 16, we talked about this, Zaire Smith uh, uh, being the pick, uh for the Suns and being traded to Philly. So, uh, you know, Zaire Smith, uh, you know, not as good offensively as Mikael Bridges, but, you know, defensively, he does uh, suit the role that the Sixers are looking for him. I think the Sixers are trying to play the long game here. Obviously, not necessarily grab the best player, but they had the best value by having that t- uh, unprotected 2021 pick. Uh, just to think for the future, uh, uh, I, I guess that's the ultimate trust the process type of move where, uh, you know, you're asking a fan base to take a, take a leap of faith there. Uh, the Bucks at 17, they are the ones who grabbed Dante Vincenzo. Uh, I like that pick very much. Uh, that's actually a good pick just because it gives another ball handler for uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo to uh, work with. Also, when Giannis is on the bench, uh, Milwaukee won't get their asses handed to them as badly as they did against Boston in the playoffs. Uh, you know, that's really what it comes out to. Milwaukee needs a ton of depth, and DiVincenzo provides it in spades. I think that's a great pick for uh, Milwaukee in terms of getting their spacing in order when uh, uh, Giannis isn't on the floor because uh, I thought it was a very easy to guard uh, Milwaukee overall when Giannis uh, wasn't there. So, uh, you know, this gives them someone who can knock down shots. Uh Number 18, San Antonio Spurs take Lonnie Walker out of Miami. You know, very interesting pick here because uh, Lonnie Walker was the guy that a lot of people had ranked very highly coming into the year. Uh, They had him projected as a guaranteed lottery pick. And then, you know, he had a dysfunctional season in Miami. It just didn't live up to the expectations. And a lot of that might have been due to the Laranaga being investigated by the FBI. There, there was a lot going on. Uh, but, you know, uh, he has a very much uh, established himself as a three-point shooter. Uh, he has a great build. You know, this seems like a very reasonable pick by the Spurs uh, uh, to go along with uh, uh, DeJounte Murray and Derek White. Uh, that It kind of gives uh, uh, three back-to-back to back years where the Spurs have uh, talented guys that can play uh, play on the floor, they can stretch it out, they can play D, they can shoot three-pointers. So this gives the, you a bit of an idea of the Spurs are preparing for eventuality without Kawhi Leonard, uh, without actually admitting to we're trading Kawhi Leonard because uh, the reports are that they rebuffed the Lakers yet again uh, asking about Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and R.C. Buford, the Spurs GM, put out a, a press release saying that the team's standing behind and trying to work on amending the relationship with uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, but uh, definitely an interesting pick, uh, and uh, I think he uh, Walker's going to make an immediate contribution with the Spurs uh, next year. And, you know, he's not going to be an all-star this year year or anything like that but in a couple of years uh, you could definitely hear him uh, being mentioned among those because uh, he has that he has the talent level uh to actually uh rise to the challenge so uh the spurs are definitely going to give him an opportunity to, uh, to grow and develop number 19 kevin Werder. i, I mentioned this before with uh, the trey young pick uh it's easy to see where atlanta's going with this they want to create their own golden state so they're picking guys who have deep 
three-point ranges and can just shoot the lights out of the building from deep range and hope that those guys can develop into the chemistry that you see with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Uh, you know, I don't see it happening. I think trying to copy Golden State is a huge mistake because you got two of the top shooters that you will ever see uh, in NBA history. And, you know, I just don't see it happening. But, you know, Atlanta's going to try to stick to that game plan. So we'll see how it pans out in two years because uh, two years is really what all they're going to have to evaluate this and see if it's going to work because no one's going to allow uh, Trey Young uh, the liberties that he had at Oklahoma. So if he can't get his three-point shooting uh, to a more proficient level in the first two years in the NBA, it could be a really rocky road for him in Atlanta. Uh, number 20, Josh Okogi uh, gets selected by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okogi uh, was a, a Georgia Tech uh, uh, one-done player. Uh, you know, big uh, big wingspan, even though he's only seven, uh, a 6'5", he's got a 7-foot wingspan. Uh, looks to be a prototypical 3 and D type of player uh, for Tom Thibodeau, the coach of the Timberwolves. So he'll knock down three-pointers, he'll guard on the wing. Uh, pretty much lockstep with what I would expect out of, uh, uh, out of uh, Minnesota and the Thibodeau coach team. Uh, number 21, the Jazz select the serial tripper Grayson Allen out of Duke. Uh, you know, I think the Jazz probably wanted order at this number, but end up having to settle for Grayson Allen. Uh, the Jazz needs uh, the Jazz needed outside shooting uh, to help Donovan Mitchell so he doesn't have to carry the entire offense. So, uh, you know, the pick makes sense. Uh, they, uh, they gave up Rodney Hood, so they needed to have a shooter in place. Grayson Allen... Uh, you know, say what you will about his maturity level and just being a prick in general on the basketball court. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to mince words with Grayson Allen. If uh, Grayson Allen was black, they would have written him off saying that he has maturity issues and is going to have to improve uh, as an overall uh, demeanor as a professional athlete. Uh, you know, people get, gave uh, Grayson Allen multiple passes by saying how fiery a competitor it is. I mean, the bottom line is Grayson Allen uh, tried to injure no less than three basketball players in his entire Duke career. And there were other instances where he tried to kick and uh, trip people that were, uh, didn't actually happen. But it's like there were three separate instances where it did happen. So, uh, you know, there are multiple red flags I have with Grayson Allen uh, as a basketball player. He's going to be a dirty basketball player. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to do some shady stuff in the NBA level, and someone's going to call him out on it and get into it with him. But, you know, he's going to be one of those players that if he's on your team, you're going to like him. If you're playing against him, you're going to hate his absolute guts and probably want to punch him in the face. But as it stands, he actually does bring something to the table for the Jazz because he can handle the rock and he can shoot uh, shoot, uh, from the outside uh, outside the arc and inside the arc. So he's going to bring some versatility to the Jazz. It's just he's not going to be a likable player uh, outside of Utah. That, bottom line. There's, there's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. At number 22, the Chicago Bulls take Chandler Hutchinson, uh, a guy people really didn't know a whole lot about. I, I had to like kind of do some research on him uh, out of Boise State. Uh, he played all four years. Developed into a solid uh, pro prospect, and the Bulls liked what they saw. They they liked his size, uh, uh, the fact that uh, he developed it in twenty point score in college, and could uh, actually shoot uh, from outside range. So uh, he looks to be like a serviceable role player on an NBA basketball team. We'll see if it ever pans out for him. But uh, you know, it's always nice to see a four year college player hone his craft and actually develop. Uh, moving on, number 23, uh, the Pacers take Aaron Holiday out of UCLA. This is really annoying because this is exactly what the Pacers needed, and this is where I had Holiday mocked to. Uh, it just seemed like he was going to drop to the Pacers. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was a, uh, he averaged 20 points a game, had six assists a game in college, uh, shot over 40% from three-point range. You know, he was a solid college point guard. And the Pacers have... Uh, uh, Darren Collison uh, uh, in place there 
uh, who's uh, up uh, for uh, his final year of his contract. So they're going to need a point guard to play alongside Victor Oladipo in the future. So uh, this is uh, this is the replacement for, for Collison. Uh, you know, uh, I see uh, Collison maybe hanging at hanging uh, hanging around for one more year to train Holiday uh, while Holiday learns as a backup. But it's going to be Holiday's show uh, moving on. It's just that. You know, uh, they may even move Collison mid-season if they can get value for him. But uh, uh, it may, it just may end up working out that uh, you know the apprenticeship lasts the entire rookie year. But uh, uh, this, uh, this uh, more more or less ends up being uh, a solid pick that I saw coming. But there's not much else that could be done about it. Uh, so moving on, you had uh, the. Uh, Portland Trailblazers, they could have gone any number of ways. I actually saw this uh, pick being Mo Wagner uh, uh, just to be the stretch four for the Trailblazers. Uh, instead, uh, the Trailblazers take Anthony S- Simmons, uh, who was basically a high school player that was old enough uh, to actually qualify directly going into the draft uh, uh, due to his age. So, uh, you know, this is a project piece for the Trailblazers, which... I don't necessarily like because, uh, you know, realistically, Simmons isn't going to be ready to play NBA basketball for at least two years. And, you know, given the Trailblazers need to blow up their roster and actually figure out if it's going to be Damon Lillard or CJ McCollum running that team, they kind of need players to play now. I, I, am never a fan of project players as your first round pick. Project players should always be second round picks in my opinion, but uh, you know that's what they went with. Uh, I, I just don't think that it made any lick of sense, but you know uh, it is what it is. Uh, so at number 25, the Lakers actually take Mo Wagner uh, as the pick. Uh, and you know, I, I like the pick. Uh, you know, uh, obviously I, I would say I'm going to like the pick because I had him pegged here, but, uh, you know, originally uh, I had this uh, pegged as Mitchell Robinson. Uh, uh, Robinson was the center who decided to skip college and play uh, play overseas. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, well, actually, no. I, well, he didn't necessarily play overseas. He trained overseas. Uh, and just sat out the year. So this made him the project case of, do you actually need to play in the NCAA to get drafted? No, it just hurt him in terms of draft stock. But, uh, you know, the Lakers uh, had promised, uh, uh, the story was Lakers had promised Robinson that he was going to be their pick at 25. Uh, Obviously that didn't happen uh, because they took Wagner instead. I'm wondering if... uh, the Lakers thought Wagner was going to go earlier than this and, you know, obviously felt the need to break uh, a promise to Robinson because Robinson probably doesn't come out uh, this year if uh, if he doesn't have assurances that he's making the first round. Uh, he ends up dropping into the second round with the Knicks, uh, which is a great value for the Knicks, although Robinson's got to be pissed. Uh, but moving on uh, to pick number 26, we had... Landry Shamet of uh, Wichita State going to the 76ers, going to be a solid player. Uh, you know, watch Shamet his entire uh, uh, Wichita State career. Solid, solid uh, basketball player. Uh, you know, I don't see all-star out of him, but definitely just a solid overall player uh, in the league. Uh, I, I definitely would say this is uh, going to be a solid pick for years to come. So uh, I, I'm in favor of that one. Uh, so moving on, uh, we have, like I said, one of the steals of the draft. Uh, in terms of the uh, Celtics getting Robert Williams from Texas A&M, you know, teams. I, I don't understand how teams just let players this talented fall because Williams could have gone into the lottery easily if it wasn't for that suspension beginning of the college season. And teams just held that on uh, Williams the entire way through. Uh, you know, Boston's biggest need was getting a rebounder and a shot blocker in case they lose Baines and also figuring out what they're going to do uh, about uh, Marcus Smart. 
So they took care of the Bain situation very easily because Williams is going to be plug-and-play in Boston's system. Uh, the, uh, the, I mean, the fact that like they didn't even have to move up to get him is infuriating uh, to me because it's just things just seem to work out for Danny Ainge and the Celtics uh, compared to other teams because I, I, I texted all, all my uh, Celtics fa- friends that it's like, you know, you you, just, you guys just have players just fall to you. <laughs> like, you didn't even need to trade up. It's like, that is such a solid pick. It's not even funny. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I just have to be bitter as a Knicks fan. It's like, those things don't happen to us. Anyway, uh, moving on, 28, uh, the Warriors take Jacob Evans from Cincinnati. Uh, role player, Evans is uh, going to be a solid defender. This is just what the Warriors are looking for. They got enough scores uh, in the NBA, uh, so they're going to use Evans as that role player off the bench. Play uh, eight to eight to fourteen minutes a game. Uh, uh, play on the wing, uh, so he'll be fine. Uh, and he may even get a couple more championship rings. Uh, uh, may get a couple of championship rings uh, to boot for it, unless uh, they move him uh, for uh, a trade if they need to upgrade somewhere. But uh, a solid pick. Uh, the Nets, because they suck, take a Dejan Musa from Bosnia. Uh, basically, Musa demanded that he play in the NBA instead of uh, having teams just stash him out in Europe for a year or two. Musa wants to play in the NBA now. The Nets need live bodies to play basketball. Uh, the Nets are going to stink next year. They're probably going to be have one of the three worst records in the league, if not the worst record in the league. Uh, so they're just going to trot these guys out there and see what happens. Uh, at number 30, the Hawks take Amari Spellman. Uh, you know, the Hawks drafted two guards. Spellman is a forward who takes a ton of three-point shots. Uh, but uh, Atlanta's just looking to create Golden State here. Uh, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They're looking to have as many shot makers as possible on the floor and stretch teams out. Whether or not it works, completely. Your guess is as good as mine, uh, but it, it's clearly obvious what the um, the Hawks are trying to do. So I'm not going to go through the entire second round, uh, just because you know there, you know, as much as I know some of these players, there are some guys that I can't uh, uh, I I can't uh, speak to as thoroughly. But a uh, couple of picks that shocked me: uh, Jalen Brunson falling out of the first round completely caught me off guard. Uh, you know, Dallas grabbing him, you know, in the second round. I, you know, this backcourt for Dallas is going to be sick for the next couple of years. You got Jalen Brunson, Dennis Smith Jr., and Luka Doncic. I, I'm telling you right now, the Dallas Mavericks are going to be a good team in less than three years. Uh, they're they're, they're going to be back in the playoffs in less than three years. Uh, even uh, with Dirk retiring, the future is actually bright for the Mavericks because they have a bunch of versatility at the guard position. They're they're not going to be short of ball handlers, and they can all make explosive plays. Uh, I mean, Brunson, uh, worst case scenario for Derek Brunson, solid uh, backup point guard. Best case scenario for Brunson, he's the underrated Chauncey Billups type of point guard uh, that teams love to have. Uh, you know, I, I very much like uh, what Dallas did here uh, because uh, if he's going to fall, if Brunson was falling that, down to 33, you have to take him. Uh, the Grizzlies should have taken Brunson. They took Javon Carter instead with the pick before from West Virginia. Uh, you know, Carter can play off the wing, but honestly, Mike Conley is so unreliable uh, staying healthy. Brunson should have been the pick of the Grizzlies. I mean, uh, you know, the Dallas Mavericks just took advantage of the Grizzlies not having foresight here. Because to me, even though uh, the Grizzlies gave Mike Conley Jr. a huge contract, uh, his uh, his health uh, has always been a question mark. So they needed to have someone that could they can plug in and be a legitimate point guard. And they passed on Brunson. It made no sense. And then the Knicks, uh, like I said, you know I usually expect the worst out of uh, the Knicks. And said they have a... Uh, but, uh, they had a guy with potential lottery pick uh, implications, and Robinson fall to them. Uh, Robinson, like I said, has all the talent, just opted not to play in college 
you know, uh, people said that was going to be a mistake and hurt him, and that's what it did. It hurt him in the draft process. But, you know, talent-wise, people kept saying this guy, this kid has the ability uh, to be a top player uh, in in the draft and actually be a lottery pick. So, to me, you can get that in the second round. I mean, that's a steal for the Knicks. Uh, other 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 notables uh, draft picks: Gary Trent Jr. going to the Trailblazers. Uh, you know, uh, another point guard death. Uh, even though they got Shabazz Napier behind McCollum and Damian Lillard, Trent Jr. can also uh, shoot it from deep range. The Blazers got to move some of these guys, though. Uh, you know, so at least it gives them downside protection for when they move some of these guys. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, the, uh, the other notable pick uh, from, uh, 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 I would say, that uh, uh, it ma- made it through was uh, the fact that Keita uh, uh, K- Bates Diop uh, from uh, Ohio State goes all the way down to the second round uh uh, to the Timberwolves at 48. Uh, you know, Diop just has a great uh, projection as a stretch four. Uh, I I mean, he can play the three, but he's uh, probably better suited as a four uh, speed-wise. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a very good fit for uh, the Timberwolves. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he uh, grades out. But uh, I, I definitely see him as a potential steal of uh, uh, a potential steal in the second round. Uh, uh, so that's a name to keep an eye out for. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would say that uh, there's, uh, uh, you know, there, there's another pick at the end of the tail end of the draft that was made was the 76ers take uh, uh, Costa Santacupo, who's the younger brother of Gianna Santacupo, as the final pick of the second round in the end of the NBA draft, uh, you know, even if he's half as good as Giannis, more than worth a flyer at the end of the draft. So uh, I, I would also say keep an eye out for him. But, you know, overall thoughts on the draft, you know, again, this is a draft where you had a bunch of guys that were g- getting moved for You had trades being made. You had teams like... Obviously, some teams are uh, putting value on winning now. You have other teams putting value on making ticket sales. Uh, you know, I don't like doing draft grades to say who's the overall made, made the most of their ability and, and uh, time frame. Uh, just because, you, you know, you had, you had teams that clearly were thinking ahead of the curve and other teams that were just looking at it from, you know, the perspective of let's just get through this draft and see what we've got. I, you know, I, I look at some, some of these teams and I, and I kind of scratch my head as to what the overall game plan is. I have other teams that I know exactly what they're trying to do. I may not agree with it, but I know what they're trying to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, like Atlanta, it, it's just, you know, more often than not with the NBA, what you see is the fact that the reason why this league is so lopsided in talent is that, on draft nights, especially such as these, you have front offices making quick uh, decisions over things that you know, you know, they're looking for a short-term fix rather than the long-term solution because they're out of a job before they know it, and, and you know the instability of some of these offices are leading to dumber and dumber decisions throughout. Uh, I mean, I I saw a number of picks by teams in the second round where I'm kind of scratching my head because to me, teams like the Nuggets didn't really do themselves a ton of favors with some of the picks that they made. Other picks that were salvageable, but it's just one of those where it's just like, I don't necessarily see where they put themselves in a position where they can help themselves win now. I, I think they just made picks so that they could stash them in the D League or G League or whatever you're calling it, League. Uh, these days, and you know, hope for the best. So, uh, you know, I hope that at some point, some of these teams actually get the memo that they actually have to start building out core development to actually establish a culture rather than trying to do these short term uh, patch jobs. But 
you know, I, I know it's wishful thinking at this point with the NBA asking for a little bit more parity uh, out of these NBA GMs. So, anyway, that's going to do it for the show today. Uh, uh, you know, obviously it's a it's already well past uh, midnight, so I'm calling it at night. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll see uh, with uh, rookie uh, rookie summer leagues uh, going to be popping up in next month. To see how some of these rookies look. But uh, I I definitely have to give a big thumbs up to the Dallas Mavericks for all the tanking that they did. Uh, you know, and not to get the draft pick that they were looking for originally, and still managing to get the guy that they were looking for. You know what? It actually worked out for Cuban and his staff. So they actually they actually did their homework and figured out what trade partners that they needed to do to get the job done. And then having some teams pass on Jalen Brunson for reasons that I can't fathom. Uh, you know, it worked out for them perfectly. So uh, that's what's uh, that's all I got. But uh, have a good one, folks. And uh, you know, probably do a little bit more recap of the World Cup and. Uh, the NHL draft coming up uh, uh, on Friday. So uh, that's uh, still to come. So uh, we'll get into uh, talk on Messi and Argentina and the ramifications of the, uh, of the loss uh, earlier today on another show because that's, that's a topic that deserves it, its own uh, podcast uh, a, as it stands. So uh, that's all for now, but more to come uh, uh, by the weekend. Take care. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.